Hey, what's going on everyone? Thanks for tuning in again. Today, I've got a great episode for you. I sit down with Michael Cravens. Michael is the advocacy director for the Arizona Wildlife Federation, which we talk about a little bit. Basically, this guy's out there fighting for our hunting rights and our public land rights every day. He's also very involved with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, which is another great organization that I'd strongly encourage you to um, check out if you're not familiar. They've got some pint nights, a lot of um, cool social things they do, um, but most importantly, they are some of the, the strongest supporters of our public land access um, as sportsmen in general, whether regardless of your sport. So it's a great organization. You should definitely check it out. But anyways, I talked to Michael Cravens today. This is my first time talking to Michael. Um, actually, I followed him on Instagram for a little while. And this guy, there's a lot of levels to Michael, let me tell you. And we barely scratched the surface in this episode, but I can promise you if he'll allow it, I'm going to have him back on and we're going to dive deeper into um some different things in future episodes. So it's a great conversation. You're not going to want to miss it. And with that, thanks for listening. One last thing before we get started, I want to thank my good friend, Mike Bita, owner of Art of the Outdoorsman Taxidermy in Buckeye, Arizona, for his continued support of the Dry Ground Podcast. If you're looking for a taxidermist, look no further. Mike is an award-winning taxidermist with many years of experience um, in all different disciplines of taxidermy, if you will. He does everything from skull mounts all the way up to full-body fish and big game as well. He's an incredible taxidermist and even better friend. So, Mike, thank you for all the work you've done for me and your friendship. It truly means the world to me and, of course, your support of this podcast. If you're looking to get a hold of Mike, reach out to him on his cell phone. His number is 623-533-9985. And you can always reach out to me on any of my social media platforms and I'll get you in contact or send you some pictures as well. My name is Andrew Marlin. And I've been fortunate to hunt and fish all across the United States and beyond. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't trade any of that for the world. But the one thing that I've come to realize is that there's no place quite like home. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy as I take you across the southwestern U.S., highlighting some of the unique hunting and fishing opportunities of the area and sharing the stories of those who partake. You're listening to Dry Ground. in i don't want to get too much or take too much of your time yeah. so all the time um, you need yeah man so go ahead and and kind of give a little background about yourself and uh what i don't know where to start man followed you on instagram for a while and there's there's a lot to you so um yeah just kind of who you are and i know you've got some involvement with bha right yeah i do yeah i uh well let's see um we'll start with uh so i, I grew up back in the midwest um Missouri Ozarks uh, had a, a very you know rich and 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 fruitful childhood there you know basically um, beautiful rivers uh, and I, I grew up kind of like edge of town farmland so my childhood was spent riding bicycles out um, to farm ponds and you know running from farm dogs and stuff and hunting squirrels in the woodlots um, it was fantastic uh, as know, it should be yeah a better childhood, but you know, things are different today and you know, kids don't get to to roam and run like I did. At least most kids don't. And sadly mine don't even either, you know, I'm a product of the environment these days, Sure, but we still get out plenty. Um, but anyway, I started, uh, you know, growing up in the Midwest, uh, if you're into the outdoors, you hunt and fish cause that's all there was, you know? 
Sure. And uh, so that's what I grew up doing and moved out west uh, as a teenager um, off and on. My dad was out west in Colorado and I got into paddling and backpacking and things like that. And man, I, I had some great adventures there as well. I've, I've got to do two long distance trails. I did uh, the Appalachian Trail, which went or about 2,500 miles from Georgia to Maine. And then I got to do the Continental Divide, which traverses the, the, well, the Continental Divide from Mexico to Canada. And that, that was a trip of a lifetime there. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and I've chased uh, all kinds of wildlife around um, this country and abroad, uh, including oh, Mexico several times, uh, the Amazon rainforest in Peru, and uh, oh, let's see, Central America. Um, uh, just having a great time. And then finally, uh, settling out west. Sorry, my dog's whining in the background. <laughs> You're good. Um, settling down out west, uh, I... Uh, I, I jumped back into hunting and angling. Um, you know, I just, I had a family and it got to the point that my wife was not overly appreciative of being going on these long trips, spending a lot of money and coming back with pictures of lizards and stuff. So <laughs> um, I decided uh, that uh, it was a good time to jump back in. I'd always planned on it. And, uh, you know, this way I get out in the mountains and, uh, you know, I get to bring a tangible good back to my home. <laughs> back home to my family which is, is pretty satisfying um yeah I, I love the whole you know i mean i dream about antlers as much as anybody but uh i really i love the meat procurement and and coming home and, and cooking good food with with what i bring home so absolutely yeah. so with that also I, I guess i should mention i'm married um got two small children uh nine and six right now and i drag them around in the field all the time with me we have a good time that's awesome, man. That's uh, super important. I love to see that. And uh, looks like you guys have a good time out there for sure. We do. We do. We really do. So really quick, I didn't expect, um, what were you doing in Central America? Was that for work or was that all? Uh... Nope. That was just for play. Um, all right. I've spent a lot of time playing in my life. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I was down there chasing birds and reptiles and amphibians and uh, just having a good time. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, I spent an entire month in Costa Rica, including my airfare for $800. Really? Yeah, just public transportation, camping on the edge of town, hostels, that sort of thing. Wow, man, that's that could be a whole nother series of podcasts there. That's incredible. You know, you hear about people like going over to Africa to hunt or New Zealand maybe, but mm-hmm. not many people spend a bunch of time in Central and South America, so that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's something about the jungle. It's just an amazing place. It's It's so intense there's so much competition you know all of the the organisms evolving in that ecosystem there's so much competition between them all it just it it creates these extreme adaptations so everything bites stings okay that's crazy wow intensely interesting and beautiful as well wow that sounds like it that's fascinating yeah, man, you caught me off guard there. That's really cool. <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted to dive into with you, um, you know, being in Arizona now, you mm-hmm. seem to have really gone after a lot of the challenges that Game and Fish puts out, like the small game challenge, the trout challenge. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, tell tell the listeners a little bit about basically what those challenges are and kind of the right. idea behind those initiatives and what, what all you've done. Sure. 
Uh, man, I, I get more excited about those silly things than an adult male man should. But uh, <laughs> hey, I'm you're in good company. Uh, I I decided there. if I could be known as a dove hunter, I'd have uh, I'd be content in life. So yeah, yeah. There's there's so much fun. There's something about chasing different species for me, chasing those new experiences um, that I, I just really enjoy. So you know you know bird watchers keep lifeless species they've seen well i mean i've done that with almost every uh, group of organisms available sure. but with this you know uh it's kind of the same thing you know when you when you're chasing a trout challenge you know first off trout trout are just magnificent creatures that live in beautiful places that are beautiful themselves absolutely um, and, and they're a blast to go chasing after um so you know these kind of things take you to places um that you might not otherwise go you know it gives you an excuse to get out see new places um chase new critters uh and then you you know you also get some swag at the end so you know it's fun you you get those little trout coins this summer we're gonna do the boy and i are gonna go to utah and chase the uh uh utah trout challenge oh Um, nice yeah and it goes i mean it goes as far as uh the western challenge um that's basically all native trout species within the united states and sorry there's other dogs walking around now. no you're fine i love it i love it he's a my pup's a german short-haired pointer edward and uh, he's a good dog sweetest dog i've ever known in my life but he is a coiled spring man and oh uh, yeah yeah he uh he, he can't contain himself when there's other pups around. Everybody's a potential best friend to him. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, speaking of Edward um, and the small game challenge, this is a challenge offered between Southern Arizona Quail Forever, or forgive me, yeah, Valley of Sun Quail Forever, okay, um, and uh, Arizona Game and Fish Department. And there's, like, a desert challenge, a mountain challenge, a native quail challenge, and an ultimate upland challenge. Um, and they're all, you know, so for example, the desert challenge is, is a pretty easy one. It's accessible anyway. You know, sure. you need to get like five of seven species and that's going to be, you know, uh, let's see, there was morning dove, cottontail, gambles, quail, and, and forgive me with that, not, not calling them all, but uh, the first three years it was offered, I managed to knock off the desert, the mountain, um, and the uh, native quail. Uh, leaving me only with the upland and that one's been a bit of a struggle for me Uh, we bought a new home last year and that ate up a lot of my time and one of the species on that ultimate upland is a chucker in arizona oh yeah and i'm finding that to be a very difficult species to find i'm blaming it on drought but (laughs) it might just be me but uh, i'm I'm gonna chase it again this year The, the big problem with it is as much fun as it is it's like my freezer is is not what it used to be so sure sure i'm not spending time chasing bears and and elk and deer the way i should be uh instead i'm chasing these little critters so yeah it really puts a dent in the freezer hopefully i'm gonna wrap that up this year and get back to the big animals heck yeah now i understand from or from the research i've done and i lived in prescott for a little bit so i was kind of looking into opportunities up in the northern part of the state and uh, they're pretty far north so that's even a hike for you and flagstaff isn't it to yeah, go after yeah. chucker but i'll tell you it's going to be a lot easier this year than it was last year to get yeah. up there so i'm looking sure. forward to that so, um, yeah, so have you done the pheasant in Arizona yet? Ah, uh, man, I gave it, I kind of, I, I sort of tried. Um, I was down uh, in Yuma uh, every year. The Arizona chapter of uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers hosts the uh, the Yuma Dove Cook-Off. 
Okay, um, yeah. And I was down there helping out with that. Um, and I took a little road trip looking for them. But unfortunately, all of the habitat that should have been there was just basically bare dirt. I mean, there was, really? there was nothing going on. Um, so, you know, I think the, the the main crux of that population is Mexico. And we just kind of get stragglers over here in Arizona that come across the river but or the border. But uh, I couldn't find any habitat, and therefore I couldn't find any any pheasants. And I was going on good intel as well. Um, I, sure. I knew the spots to check, and the habitat just wasn't there. I do hear that uh, there's a reservation down there, that there's still some habitat and birds there. Oh, uh, so okay. Maybe this year I'll check that out. But, but yeah, I've been unsuccessful thus far. Yeah, man, that's that's been one of those things I've you know thought of for – it seems like every year comes and goes, and I'm like, oh, I meant to go do that, so – Yep. I'm yeah, hoping that, you know, we live in a state where there's just too much cool stuff to do. You know, there uh, really is. And I yeah. think that's the cool thing about all these challenges is it really it bring, is, yeah. brings it out and kind of yeah. highlights that. Folks that, I mean, even just on the big game front, you know, you yeah. hear people complain all the time about not getting tags. And it's like, man, if I don't draw a single tag, I can still fill my entire season up chasing archery bear and deer. And, you know, there's just all kinds of opportunities out here. Oh yeah, well we can even get over the counter elk tags if you're really feeling uh, sure. Yeah, if you want to put the effort into in. it, yeah, it's not an easy hunt from what I understand. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's that, that's one of the things I love about this state in this area is just the abundance of opportunities. Um, and I think that's one of the things I really enjoyed when I saw your stuff on Instagram is how you take advantage of all of them. So oh, I try, man. Good on you, man. That's uh... Now, with the pheasant this year, do you know why they are, traditionally were a draw, right? And I don't think didn't, so. Didn't they I, change I mean, it? If, if that was the case, it's been before my time. Okay. Um, I, so, yeah, I don't know. I believe it's just, you know, if they're there, if you're lucky enough to find some, it's, okay. it's all yours. Gotcha. Now, I thought I'd seen something, but again, like I've said, I go back and forth quite a bit um, with wanting to go out there and I never make the trip, so... Mm-hmm. Um, as far as your trout challenge, kind of circling back to that a little bit, was there a species of trout that gave you any, any fits? Um, oh, not so much. It depends. Um, you know, if you trout fishing in Arizona can be, um, trying sometimes, uh, our fisheries, they, they tend to blink on and off over time. Um, and we got some good, good permanent fisheries as well, but, uh, but yeah, it, it can be tough. Uh, we have good fish in Arizona, especially if you know where to go look for them. Um, but you know, it takes some effort sometimes uh, to get to them. I mean, I, I've caught some some really you know nice nice trout in this state. Uh, um, and uh, but yeah, I guess on the trout challenge, you got to travel a bit, um, and then you got to you know there's a wild trout challenge. You go after the four or five species of, of wild reproducing fish we have in the state. And then the, uh, just the, the regular trout challenge where you go after like all eight, eight or nine, something like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, the tiger trout gave me a little bit of trouble before I knew where to look. Cause I was, I was going to places where it's kind of all based on stocking like Woods Canyon and, uh, where they dump in a whole bunch and then sure. you know, on a holiday weekend, but then they're all caught out by the following Monday basically. Yeah. So I had a little trouble with that one until I figured out where to go, um, and unfortunately, the place I did go is, uh, you know, all the, the fish in there were um, uh, killed by, by a recent fire. So, uh, so yeah, that one, that one could, I guess, could be a little tough depending on, on you know, timing and where, where you're going. But but they're out there, you know. Yeah. And, you know, in the right spot, it can be super easy, too. So, yeah. Now, are you um, are you a fly fishing purist or do you uh, mix it up? 
No, purist is is a, is a, would be a hard term. Um, <laughs> okay. Yes and no. I'll put it this way. Okay. Um, my two favorite types of fishing are is fly fishing. Sure. Um, but then the other type is catfishing. You know, uh, just okay. drinking beer around a fire. You know, waiting on a bite. Um, but no, I, I, everything. The word. <laughs> Sorry, a dog said climb up on my lap here. No, hey, I get it. Racket. I get it. But um, yeah, I, I personally, I feel like absolutely, regardless of the fish species, it is more fun on a fly rod. Um, and you know, there, it's 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 not the uh, the the purest, you know, snotty uppity thing that comes with fly fishing. It's some strike some indicator, have. not a bobber. <laughs> right, right, that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's just straight up much more fun. Absolutely, um, you know, I, I would take one fish on a fly rod over a dozen on traditional equipment. Absolutely. I agree there. Um, do you, are you a fly tire as well? Or Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. I tie most all my, all my own flies. Um, sometimes when you get down to the like really tiny, uh, dries, I, I'll buy those just cause yeah, eyes aren't what they used to be, I suppose. No. Yeah. That's if, if you ever had the patience for that, you're a better man than me. I, <laughs> I get below about a size 14 and I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, sportsman's here I come. So no, it, it adds a whole, whole nother level of, of fun to the whole thing, you know? Absolutely. So, Hey, you mentioned some stuff about BHA. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's your involvement with them? And, and I guess for anyone listening, that's not familiar. What, uh, what's the, um, the mission behind backcountry hunters and anglers, if you will. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, I serve as the, the vice chair uh, for Arizona Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, we have a fantastic uh, board of directors, just a great group of guys, uh, regional directors as well. Um, and BHA, their their primary goal is keeping public lands public. Um, you know, if you're, I, I sometimes say that folks from the West don't really value it as, as, as much uh-huh. as I might because I came from a place where we don't have all these mm. public lands and you know literally they're the reason i stayed in the west and i'm raising my family here you know we can basically go anywhere we want and do whatever we want we have you know limitless uh country to hunt in and you know as long as you're not out there tearing it up it's it's yours man it belongs to us um it is a very valuable resource uh and there are lots of folks um that would love to take this away from us uh and there's there's people working to do it every single year so bha's primary mission is to keep public lands public um you know to make sure that we have access as hunters and anglers to those public lands and uh, to make sure there's healthy habitat and ample wildlife when we get there uh i would say that as far as this organization goes um it's it's not like it's not like some of the other orgs that you just you pay your i mean i guess you could sure but you pay your dues um, you know, get your magazine and that's it. Uh, we're very much a hands-on kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you're in the club type of deal. You know, we have pint nights regularly where everybody gets together, drinks beer, tells stories, but it's, it's a good group of friends and, and you can be as involved as you want to be in it. Nice. Yeah. I, I enjoy it and I'm very, very proud of them. But, uh, along with that, I, I should say, I also work as the advocacy and conservation director for the Arizona Wildlife Federation. Okay, uh, that's that's my full time gig, and uh, that's another organization that that I, I'm fiercely proud of. Um, 
and you know our our mission while pretty closely aligns to bhas except that we're uh, you know more broadly wildlife based but uh, we were we were formed a uh, hundred years ago as of next year um, so we're, we're the oldest conservation organization wow. in yeah. the state um, and we were we were formed actually Aldo Leopold called to order our first first meeting ever no kidding yeah and we, we were formed to take uh, wildlife management out of the legislature because back then it was just a bunch of good old boys with no background in wildlife or science managing our wildlife and it was a mess Okay. So it was a big old long ugly fight, but we uh, we formed the first science based commission, um, and that's a system that we still have today. Man, but, uh, yeah, and we uh, we work a lot on public lands. You know, we work on education programs. We work on you know boots on the ground volunteerism, and I mean personally, I work in advocacy, so I'm I'm technically a lobbyist for the organization. So and I'm fighting against bad public land bills every single session here in Arizona. Wow. That's um, that's not for everyone. I think that would get a lot of people down. So my hat's off to you there. That, that, <laughs> Man, that would be not, stressful. It's not for me either, you know, getting dressed up uh, in a jacket and going down there and talking to a, a committee of, of people is not, not my comfort zone. I, you know, I, I like to be in the woods and on the water, but but I do very much appreciate the importance of it and, you know, working in it. Uh, after a few years, you start to see what your what your the work you're doing come to fruition, um, you know. And then we've single handedly stopped really bad bills. So awesome! Yeah, that doesn't take long to see the fruits of your labor there, and I understand the importance of it. Well, like I said, my my hats off to you, and I'm, I'm sure I can speak for most sportsmen saying thank you for that. All right on, thanks, um, man. Yeah, man. So, Michael, where, in your opinion, where would we be if a hundred years ago, people wouldn't have had the the presence of mind to say, Hey, we need to change this and we need to take control of, you know, our oh, conservation man. and our land. But like, it's, it's scary to think of, but where, where do you think we'd be? Golly. Um, that, that is tough. Uh, well, you know, wait back then, you know, when those uh, initial decisions were being made, we were already in a terrible place. Um, elk were extirpated from Arizona. We had no elk here, uh, wow. throughout the rest of the, the Rocky mountain West. Um, they were they were threatened um, and on a decline um you know obviously you saw what happened to the buffalo you know that that yeah. would be a good case of point of what everything else would look like now if it wasn't for the efforts of uh of the north american model of wildlife conservation and, and what came to be there um you know we'd all still be here but it sure shit wouldn't be the place we have right now you know no. we're, we're living in the good old days of, of wildlife right now um and uh, yeah, I think sometimes we, we overlook that, you know, there's, there's ridiculous things happening right now as we speak, you know, there's a, a bill headed to Congress that wants to uh, defund the Pittman Robertson acts. Really? Uh, yeah. And they're, they're using it as like, um, they, they're basically saying the taxation, this is from the thirties, man, this has been around forever. And it's something the firearm industry has always been very proud of. Absolutely. But Go ahead and, and just give an overview in case someone hasn't heard what, what is the Pittman yeah. Robertson? Well, uh, I mean, this is Brian Pittman Robertson is uh, how we fund um, wildlife in, in our country. And it's an excise tax on, on firearms and ammunition. Uh, so it's it's a huge, huge amount of money that goes into wildlife conservation. Like I said, it's been around since the 30s. It's something that everybody's been on board with, from the firearm industry to the conservation community. It's something everybody's very proud of. It's a great success story. Um, but you know, we live in trying times and there's goofballs out there with bad ideas, but, um, 
and this has got 50 co-sponsors somehow, but uh, wow. basically it's a, a bill saying that the taxation of firearms and uh, ammunition is infringing on, on, you know, people's rights to own a bear arms, which is ridiculous. Oh, wow. That's not what it's about at all. Interesting anyway, twist on that. Wow. Um, it's a, it's not going to go anywhere. It's, it's, it's a ludicrous thing, but, but it's an example that, you know, there's these folks out there that just don't get, give a damn, you know, um, about wildlife and wild places. Um, and, and they're always going to be, you know, going to take that stuff away from us. So you got to be diligent as, you know, as much as it isn't fun, you got to stay diligent on that stuff and make those calls, you know, call your representatives, call your senators and, and let them know what you think. I was just going to ask what, what we can do to help, uh, as, as common people. So, yeah, that's, basically. Uh, how can how can people stay up to date on what's going on and, and kind of oh, keep current with some of those? Is there a, a good way know, to do that? It's funny. I don't, I don't think about it since I live in this like sure. world. I'm just bombarded with all this stuff all the time. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, obviously, you know, so you, you stay in touch, stay involved with your conservation organizations, whoever you want it to be, whether that backcountry hunters and anglers, the Elk Society, um, Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever. Uh, doesn't matter. Get involved with them, stay involved with them, and, and you're going to get information that way. Um, you know, regarding social media, Facebook, Instagram, you know, follow and sign on to all these different conservation organizations. Um, I'll tell you a great place to keep up to date on on uh, legislature, uh, legislature that's threatening, you know, wildlife, wild places is uh, Meat Eaters uh, Cal's Week in Review uh, oh, podcast yeah. with Ryan Callahan. He gives a great like 30 minute podcast once a week that kind of just rounds up all the stuff that's going on in the conservation world. That's a really good way to, to stay involved there. Oh yeah. Those guys are doing a lot of good work too. I hadn't thought about that. So, mm-hmm. yep. So yeah, there, there's tons, tons of info out there. And uh, you know, if you follow enough hunters and anglers on, on social media, you know, everybody's reposting stuff. So yeah, it's, it's easy to stay in the loop these days. Absolutely. So speaking of social media, being a mm-hmm. tool, what uh do you have an opinion on what social media has done to hunting and fishing or oh has changed our image? I know that's a yeah a sticky slope yeah. there, but or slippery uh, slope, I should say. Yeah, you know, I mean it's a double edged sword for sure. Yeah. Um there there's it's helped a lot of people. It's it's opened up the hunting community um to other other venues. Like for instance, you know, 20 years ago when it was all just mossy oak and stuff like that right uh hunting was very much still just a good old white man sport you know what i mean right um that's all you saw and now that you know internet has allowed everyone to have their own platform um it has opened up uh through various channels um, a whole new demographic, you know, women and minorities and, and which it should, because this, should, this doesn't belong to us, you know, it right. belongs to everybody. And the more people are involved, the more people are there to care about it. Now, of course, there's the downside. Internet has made hunters better um, and more successful. <laughs> um, yes. It's definitely turned people on to traveling to hunt more. So there's more people, more places. Um, and there's the downside too. There's the side where, you know, I, I, am I, you know, I, I guess I say, this is my own personal opinions and thoughts. And I, and I realize that people are, are not, 
uh, they don't have to subscribe to my personal opinions and thoughts. But sure. I feel like, you know, if you're going to, I have a face or an Instagram page full of dead animals and gripping grins. Yeah. Um, but I try to do them in a tasteful manner. Um, you know, I don't try to record slow motion kill shots of a, a little coos deer's, you know, body turning to <laughs> jello. Folding, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I get it. I still like watching those videos, so I understand. Sure. But, you know, in, unless you can control your, your, your feed um, to exactly who you want it to go to, then, you know, there's a lot of people seeing that stuff that, that's offended by it, you know? Um, yeah. It's killing of an animal. It's a big deal. And people have a right to be offended by it. But um, so I think a lot of that stuff just feeds the, the anti-hunting fire. Um, and that's not a good thing. You know, I think hunters have a responsibility to portray themselves in as ethical a manner as possible and try to not be offensive. And, you know, I realize everybody's going to have their own kind of spectrum on that stuff, but, but do your best, you know, and then, and, and think about what you're doing and how you're portraying yourself and everybody else. And I, I think it's important. And unfortunately, social media has had some pretty dire consequences in that arena. Yeah, it has. And I think that's great. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think we've got a responsibility and like you said, it's a great opportunity um, to reach unreached uh, populations, but with yeah, that comes yeah, a lot of responsibility. I've yeah. heard several times lately, and I don't have anything to quantify it with, but I've heard several times that you know the, the female is the, is the largest growing demographic in hunting uh, at the moment there is. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, my wife got her first deer tag this year, so I'm pretty awesome. excited about that. Yeah. Very cool. White Taylor Mule Deer uh mule deer i, I basically right. you know since I, i'm living in this new place up here in the pines i kind of I, I need the excuse to get out and explore my my area so the i only yard, yeah. for, for units around around where we live so oh, okay. somewhere up here which yeah. is gonna be all mule deer and again i should say you know it, it, the cards have just gotten hit so i don't know exactly what tags i've drawn yet awesome well congratulations that's uh Thanks. that's more than i can say <laughs> uh well, like we said, there's still opportunity out there. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm kind worried. of bummed because I was excited about getting the bow out and early archery. And now I'm like, ah, should I even mess with it with the rifle tag? So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll go look for some bears. There you go. It's good scouting. And, man, you live in one of the prettiest places in the state. I thoroughly enjoyed my time up there the other day. Oh, man, there's so, so many pretty places around here. Yeah. Good stuff, man. So what – um. You said you've got the, the Utah challenge coming up next, kind of circling back to goals. Like what, what's next yeah. on the list? Do you have anything big that you're wanting to accomplish? Uh, man, there's so many trips I want to do. It's, it's endless, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I told my wife, cause like I said, we bought a house. There's tons of house projects right now. Money's tight. So I'm like, look, I sure. at least want to do one of these challenges every year. This year's going to be Utah. It's accessible. It's easy. Sure. Um, but, you know, then there's New Mexico, then there's California, then there's, you know, Alaska. There's the whole, the whole adding it all up into that whole Western Trout Challenge. Um, you know, there, there's all kinds of things I want to go chase and hunt. Uh, I want to do a, a Wyoming pronghorn hunt. Nice. Um, you know, I'm always like, ah, I should go hunt elk in Colorado every year. But, you know, it's just, for a, it's a good problem to have, but there's just too much opportunity for me. Absolutely. Um, Eventually, I'd love to get to uh, to Alaska and chase some caribou. Um, Heck maybe yeah. a moose someday, but yeah, it, it never ends. Um, you know, there's uh, I want to do the Lahontan cutthroats up in Nevada and Pyramid Lake. Those, you know, twenty plus brown or pound 
uh, cutthroat trout. No kidding. That's an amazing one. Yeah, muskie is a huge goal of mine. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I put some effort into this summer with, with nothing. To, well, I had one little little about hammer handle muskie follow me my fly up to the boat but uh that's as close as i got so yeah uh the, the goals are limitless i'll never run out of things i want to chase and things i want to do it seems like just like when i'm getting a, a grip on things i find something else or discover even a new species uh, i was on I was, I was on new mexico's website the other day and there was some game bird i hadn't heard of and i couldn't believe it so oh, yeah it slipped in my mind speaking of game birds um mm-hmm. This is a completely selfish question because I was fascinated and have the opportunity. So tell me about your bantail pigeon. And I know that sounds oh. like a really random question, especially for no, listeners. No, not at but, all. Such uh, a cool bird, yeah. Such a cool bird and such a unique, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, kind of tell, tell me and the listeners what that was all about and – um you're kind right. of your method in finding those guys because they're yeah, yeah. living well, in a unique you, place. You cut out just a little bit there, just for your own information. But I think I got the just your question. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, I got turned on to them just because I, I get excited about a variety of critters. But it's uh, our, our closest living relative to a passenger pigeon, and it's the only native North American pigeon left. Um, okay. There's not huge populations. You can only hunt them in a few states, and the seasons are short, and the bag limits are low. So here in Arizona, I think, I think, don't quote me on this, but the season's about two weeks long, and you can kill two birds. Okay. Um, they are a delicious bird, by the way. Um, but uh, they, uh, let's see, where did I start? Well, honestly, I, I cheated. Uh, I, I'm, uh, my buddy's one of the, our state small game biologists, and he gave me a good place to go look for them. Hey, nothing uh, wrong with that. Using your but resources. But up to that point, I, I had seen them here and there. But it seems like every time I saw them, they were way up high in pines. Um, but since, you know, I found them in a few different places, including my yard, which I'm really excited about. I have about four of them living right around my yard right now. Um, of course, they're off limits. But, uh, you know, I, I've seen them kind of like in that that lower juniper uh scrub that you get you know between our, our high desert grasslands and uh-huh. our ponderosa pine forests flying around there i think it just matters where the food is um you know there's still i about them and their natural history but but i you know as you move around and you collect observations after a while you, you start to form a a picture of what an animal's natural history looks like in your mind and you get better at hunting them Awesome, but they're beautiful. They tend to fly high and fast, so they're they're not not an easy bird uh, to get after. But if you know the right spot, it's not a problem to go out and get a couple birds. And did you kind of sit up and wait, kind of like you, like a dove hunt, or were you kind of more flushing them? What was your, your was plan of attack kind of, there? Not not flushing, but yeah, I was mostly on the move. I, I found a nice ridge um, that, that they flew low over, um, and kind of just walked that ridge and watched for them flying past. And I and I'd be lying if I didn't say I, I ground or not not ground swatted, but uh, <laughs> skillet shot one off of a branch as well. Okay. Hey, again, that's a a cool bird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty. Now, did they? You said they're delicious. Are they similar to like a dove in? Yeah. Meat well, or know, I've only eaten the two. Um, but yes, obviously bigger. Um, a little bit lighter colored meat and, and a bit milder, you know, still had similar characteristics, you know, they're, uh, they're, uh, in the same family, but, um, yeah, I, I did them, I plucked them 
And, okay. Uh, then I took a big old chunk of butter along with some like sage and rosemary and filled the cavities with that. Then I roasted them hot and fast and in a small cast iron in the oven, then removed those birds. And I took some, I, I had made, collected a bunch of manzanita berries uh, on a trip, dried manzanita berries. Nice. And I took those and made a cider out of them by boiling them with water. And then I took that cider, I reduced it down uh, about two thirds, and then I added that cider into the cast iron with all that melted butter and herb flavor, and I reduced that down to a sauce that I poured over the top of those birds, and oh my god, I was so proud. It was so, so good. As you should be. That sounds absolutely incredible. I ate it all alone by myself and didn't share it with anybody. (laughs) But you don't get a lot of them. No, that's awesome. Is that something you're going to continue to go after year after year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Especially living up here, you know, it's uh, yeah, I, I haven't got to properly explore my explore my surroundings. I live yeah. in uh, Seven West now. Um, uh-huh. You know, I got I got them in the yard, so they got to be around. Uh, so yeah, I just got to get out there and figure it out. Like I said, it's the house thing. You know, I've not, this is the first time I've owned my own home, and uh, you know, I, I'm not the kind of project guy that's always going to have a project going. I want to get the house where I want it. And then stop and get back in the woods. Absolutely. But, uh, but as of right now, you know, it's uh, uh, it's 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 busy house stuff. And you know, a friend of mine, Hal Herring, who I recently uh, did a podcast with on public lands, he he talked with me about the seasons of life and how like like having small children is a season of your life. And he says it's it's best not to uh, not to fight against that stuff and to just let it go. So so I'm trying to be graceful and just work on the house right now absolutely sound advice well i mean it looks like you're doing some uh house stuff or property stuff that kind of goes in line with your your goals in life you what was that uh the wildlife i'm gonna butcher this now but oh that's quite all right Uh, i'll I'll save you the garden yeah yes yeah all right so that's um the, the the organization i work for the arizona wildlife federation we serve as an affiliate to the national wildlife federation Okay. Uh, the National Wildlife Federation is our country's largest conservation organization. Um, now, we are independent of them, but we serve as a state affiliate. Uh, so they have a program that's called Garden for Wildlife. So and basically all you do is you take your garden or your property and you go down this checklist and make sure you provide all these elements, whether it be, you know, uh, cover places to nest or raise babies, food, water you know, on down the list, keeping your cats indoors is one of those. Oh, okay. Um, so you go through and you make sure you can provide all these attributes that, that contribute to the habitat in your yard. And then you designate your property as, as a certified wildlife habitat. Um, and it's fun. You get a sign and I put it out in front of my, my house proudly to display to everybody. Absolutely. But yeah, we've had lots, and it's uh, very, very proud to have a bantail pigeon land right in the middle of my lifeguard. That oh, absolutely. That, <laughs> that is so neat. But yeah, I got salt blocks out, and I'm putting in a drinker. Uh, okay. So there's, uh, yeah, we get lots of wildlife in the yard. Yeah, we uh, when we were driving through your town, uh, I guess it was last, a pretty healthy looking herd of muleys that we just kept bumping into right in the center of town. So yeah, yeah, you definitely live amongst the wildlife over there. Right. Yeah. I'm going to have to figure out, like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit outside of Flagstaff, but those urban Flagstaff deer, I, I got to figure those out for, uh, for some archer opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, there were some, some good size ones. I mean, it's always hard to tell oh, this yeah. time of year, you know, with no, 
with their antlers not fully grown, but uh, just mm -hmm. based on body size and where they're already at, I think you've got a couple studs running around downtown there. Yeah, there's always <laughs> a few few big ones around Flagstaff, no question. Well, when we get off there, I'll show you the uh, the roads that we were on messing around. There you go. Thanks. I appreciate that. So, well, thanks for getting up here and working on that fire, too, though. Um, oh, it my. It was my pleasure. Pretty pretty okay. serious deal. I um, I got to do a podcast with Congressman Tom O'Halloran yesterday. Oh, wow. Um, about uh, managing these forests for, for resiliency with the, with the fire and the climate. Well, yeah, and it's uh, you guys got hit hard this year. I mean, yes, we did. Yeah. Three fires within a month in the same mountain range was, you know, I'd never seen anything quite like that. And now, have you guys uh, been dealing with any flooding post fire um, yet? Not on or? my end. I'm, I'm okay. fortunate to have been on the uh, upwind side of all of that. And the other side. Oh, of sure. Mountains. Yeah, because you're on the west side there. So yeah, I was lucky though. But uh, I did. I, I took a, a load of scrap lumber to a local landfill today. And uh, you could see where all the ash flooded through and over the road there. And I was a long way away from the fire. So, yeah. Yeah, that, was, that took me by surprise. Well, and the problem is you've got those, and I love them, man. They're beautiful, those mountain peaks that just kind of tower above town right there. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, this year, between the two fires that went right through the same pass, there's no vegetation left. And so right. any rain you're getting at the top is just coming straight into town. Yeah, and, we're uh, going to have some flooding issues, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we were trying to sell ourselves and stay in town a little longer to help fill sandbags, but they uh, put a kibosh on that and made us yeah. come home. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate appreciate the work you're doing, though. It's uh, important. Absolutely a pleasure. We couldn't imagine doing anything else. But well, Michael, I don't want to keep uh, keep you too long. I know you got a bunch of projects going. Um, and I, like I said, I can't thank you enough for coming on and for the work that you do. Before before we go, though, um, I like to ask anyone this from the area. If someone was coming to Arizona for the first time, what are a couple things you would recommend they bring or a couple pieces of advice you feel like is important for someone that doesn't uh, doesn't live with some of the stuff that we live with? Mm -hmm. Well, let's see. I mean, I guess it would depend on where they're going, you know, uh, if they're <sighs> – you know, there, there's a whole host of of elements that, you know, Arizona is it's not not a hard place to hunt or a hard place to have any outdoor adventure as long as you're, you know, at least comfortable in the outdoors and uh, are somewhat prepared. Um, you know, it, it's almost hard to get lost out here. We have such big open skies and vistas and, you know, it's you can almost always tell where you're going. Sure. But, you know, people do. They get lost every year and, and you know, people end up dead. Um, the desert's nothing to mess around with. You should take it seriously, but you know, most, most, most outdoors folks are, are pretty well equipped with that. I will say that you, you always take a water bottle with you, no matter where you go in Arizona, no matter Absolutely. what you're doing. It, not a thing in the Midwest, you know, you can go out all day and you don't even think about water, but, but here it's a, it's a necessity, but, um, yeah, man, I guess the, the only thing I'd say to bring with you is uh, an, an, an open mind and, and a willingness to learn and, and take advice because, you know, in, anywhere you go, where you're somewhere new uh, to to be open uh, and to, well, how do you say, it? just be open to learning, you know, don't, don't be stubborn, don't just charge out there um, without educating yourself because that, that's where people get in trouble. I love it. Couldn't couldn't agree more, Michael. Um, 
man. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I look forward to, to hearing from you again and keeping up to date with some of these issues that you're out there fighting. No sweat, man. I, I enjoy talking to you. Yeah. Maybe we can do this again and get into like more specific things. Uh, you know, it's like I said, there's just so much to do here and I get excited about it all. So, but uh, yeah, we can do a deep dive into some of this stuff, whether it be trout challenges or small game challenges or, or That'd whatever be great. you like. That'd be great. Do a little, uh, yeah, breakdown or something. We'll, we'll have awesome. to make it happen. That sounds good, Andrew. Well, thanks. All so right. Much, I... Hey, thank you. Appreciate it.